Welcome to Finding Hope, The End to Suffering. Hosted by psychologist, author, and co-founder of the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership, Dr. Barry Weinhold, with national radio host, award-winning producer, and inspirational speaker, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, and I'm here with Barry Weinhold, my co-host, who has created this wonderful program called Finding Hope, The End of Suffering. And Barry is, um, as we know, he's written I don't know, 75 books. I mean, it's amazing. And he's just written a brand new one, which he can tell us about. But what we're doing on this show is we are really sharing stories of people that Barry knows or that we have met who really have compelling stories of pain and suffering and how they move through to the other side. So instead of just doing a one 20 minute program, what we're doing is having our guests with us for about three episodes. So we can really find out what the story is, what they went through, how they endured it, where the light bulbs went off and then where the hope is. And Barry is such a skilled clinician. So, you know, between that and the questions and hearing their stories, our goal for this program is to inspire you so whatever pain you've been through, whatever suffering, you can get through it into the other side. Thank you, Patricia. And you know, everybody has a story to tell. It just, sometimes we don't know that our story is really meaningful to others. And I mean, Susan's story uh, is not the usual story, but it has yeah. elements in it that everybody can can connect to. Right. It's a dramatic, it's very dramatic because yeah. she had a lot of things, a lot of turning points and right. a lot of tough changes. Yeah. And, but but look at what she's doing now to help so many people. I'm not saying we have to go through all of that to do this, but no. some of us do. And if, you can okay. come out the other side, it yeah. makes a difference. Well, I think that the, the turning point is that uh, people who go through that a lot of that trauma early on, they stay stuck in it and they kind of are, are uh, negative people and they, 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 they right. feel they're victim-y. Poor me. And they don't seem to really uh, grasp the fact that that actually out of that, there are some gifts to be harvested. Right. But, you know, Barry, I want to ask you this, because I think it doesn't mean that sometimes we don't say when we've been through pain and suffering, gee, you know, this person over there, aren't they lucky they didn't go through it? Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, we're human. And you know what? They are lucky they didn't go through it. But yeah. we did. So, but we don't stay there. We don't say, oh, aren't they lucky? And, and oh, I can't do anything. We say, yeah, isn't that great? They didn't go through it. And then we find a way to move through it. Well, the Buddhists say, uh, and very astutely, they say that pain is inevitable in life. We're going to have pain no matter who we are. But suffering is optional. Right. And so the, the, the trick is, uh, if we have pain, is to be able to figure out why we're suffering and do something about it to end that suffering. And that's what the show's about. And that's what we're going to bring Susan Susan Bloom right back on with us right now to talk about that. Okay. Uh, hey. Okay. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hey, Susan. So I think you want to talk about where she is now with her healing work. Yeah. Well, I, I want to find out where were the turning points in your life? Where, where did things 
start to make sense to you and can, if you can highlight maybe one or two specific things that you recall saying, ah, I had this awareness that suddenly came to me, obviously reading that book as you shared in the, in the previous segment is when, when the, your husband brought you that book on cosmic consciousness and you read it cover to cover, it had in that some of the, 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 the uh, information you were needing to, to, to be able to connect everything. So things like that, if you have a couple of those. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, Alan Watts and his uh, introduction of Zen Buddhism. And uh, I think we called it mindfulness back then, but it was like, oh, how do I use my awareness and where am I not, and not being aware? Well, that started a very interesting conversation, not only with the kids' dad and I, but also with our friends. And it went into my years as a potter, where um, <laughs> there is a group that started reading uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which, yeah, you know, before before they did. And, uh, and it was all about the nowness of work and how work is part of life. And uh, <laughs> I like work and I love being a potter, but my body did not do well with it. Uh -huh. And um, going into massage school, you know, it was like, um, it was like I was in something that I knew I could do and I knew that I could be exceptional as. And uh, it also started to make sense about my um, kinesthetic abilities, my, my sensing. Uh, we didn't use the word empathic then or intuitive, but I was both. Um, as my nervous system was able to heal, uh, I felt as though I was really starting to find my own authentic ground as a person. And, um, and also just starting to realize that other people have mystical experiences, but in the framework that most of us raised in, where do we get to express that? And uh, so there's this inner life and the outer life. And who can you share your inner life with? Being a hippie potter was probably, I think I was just the luckiest woman in the world because we were people who wanted to have this adventure of having an authentic life, making things, mm. being totally responsible for our wear, you know, our products that we put out. And we were all like, your word, your word mattered. Your word was, you know, it, it was a value. Yeah, uh, that brings me to a point that I'm, wanted to uh, yeah. ask you about is you earlier you talked about how your early experiences left you not trusting others mm -hmm. and so how did you how did you change that because obviously what you're talking about now is involves a lot of trust of other people well that's what i learned you know i was showing up other people were showing up um my range of trust started to grow uh-huh but uh, I have to say that um, it was during my second marriage and working with a psychologist who had worked with uh, trafficked women. 
St. Louis and uh, she needed body work and I needed some help because I was having a different sort of PTSD with, with my second husband. Wow. And, um, and so she introduced me to how much do I trust myself? Ah, that's a big. Yeah. And where were the areas where I didn't have trust about myself? Yeah, usually if you don't trust other people, you don't trust yourself either. Yeah. So she really helped me put that together, you know, about I had these areas that I knew I couldn't trust myself. Uh, I can't let myself get too angry because <laughs> I might hit someone. <laughs> and so, I mean, just spent years either bolting or just saying this is it and not being available relationship wise until I could process my own PTSD. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, I also, oh gosh, I mean, before I met my second husband, I was uh, with Jim Henderson, who was one of the people who supported getting uh, PTSD on the books as, as a diagnosis. Um, he was that, so yeah, that didn't happen until 1980 when it finally got into the DNA. Right. Yeah. Susan, so I mean, there was this whole thing. It just all these doorways just kept opening, and I so what I want to know is, you know, when you started doing the work, what mm -hmm. is it? And and you're very skilled at it. What is it that you think you were able to bring to the client? What was it that when you could you know, you would sense it. What do you think that was? Um, well, it's because I feel things, that empathy. Right. And, uh, and I mean, people, I, I was the person that used to have crazy people come up to, to me at the bus station in LA when I was 19 and start telling me their life story. So I think when you're a natural empath, you have people feel it and they know that you're a safe person. Yeah. And uh, so there, there's that. And um, my problem was where, where was my boundaries where I began and ended and where other people ended. Is um, that what happened in the second marriage was boundary issues too? Yeah. Yeah, I had more voice and I had more um, knowledge and I have to say that uh, that marriage lasted a little over a year. And I was able to extract myself from, uh, from, from a person who was not boundary, yeah. relying on me not to be boundary and to, to fix them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, I learned a great deal out of it, and uh, I focused on that rather than my broken heart, <laughs> uh, yeah. my sense of devastation of like, oh gosh, you know, this is the second marriage. Yeah. So I started to realize that um, I'm not marriage material. I'm a person who is a good companion, I'm a good friend. I have a lot of loyalty. I have a lot of good qualities, but I am not a woman who's going to put a guy in the center of my life and live that around them. What's at the center of my life is my my sense 
of myself and the divine mm-hmm. in that way from the very sense you know, I mean, from the very beginning. And I think that sensibility and how, how I sensed it as I grew, you know, from a little little baby, because I'm a person who has early memory, to, you know, to a child, to a teen, to a young adult. And now, you know, now in my 70s, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of this ordinary person in so many ways, but it's like, just feel like my life is so divine and I feel very privileged to have the spiritual insight that I have and um, to value it and um, and to offer that to people too because I think there's a lot of um, you know spirituality is kind of something outside of you and not so much your own personal experience I wanted to ask you another question. And, uh, tell me if you don't want to talk about this. Uh, I know you lost both your boys. Yes, I did. And uh, I, I would be, I think our audience would like to hear that. I mean, that obviously produces suffering. And Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. If, if you yeah. feel talking about I know that's a hard topic to talk about. Yeah. So I am three and a half years out from my youngest son committing suicide. His brother died, uh, uh, this is my older boy, um, a year and a half later. Um, So last October, I did a Day of the Dead ceremony for both of the boys. And I went up to Leadville and I did that, Um, my roommate who is a retired hospice nurse, bless this woman's heart, um, came with me. And uh, so I just created this this ritual for them. But I brought them food. I brought them a burrito. (laughs) (laughs) And from a place that they used to eat at. So I did this and I was waiting for my smudge bowl to finish burning burning and I could not hold my hand still. I had to hold my hand, sit down on the ground and brace it because I was shaking so much. And I just felt as though I I hadn't realized that I had entered into a different dimension when I did this ceremony, but it was like as the things were waiting for that smudge to finish burning, I was coming back and uh, and I realized how different that dimension was. Yeah. Um, I'm a person who felt my conception with both of the boys. And I also knew um, two to three months before I got pregnant that we would get pregnant. Um, so when, when my youngest boy died, um, I felt it. And I felt that I felt it with my my oldest son too, and the unraveling in the body. Because when you have your parents die, you unravel inside, mm-hmm. um, because they're no longer alive, and that kind of molecular thing just changes. And uh, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of support um, when when Josh committed suicide. And uh, 
So I did a lot of cranial, I did a lot of uh, chin chin jitsu because I could feel like the drain was just really clogged and it was really hard for all the sediment to move out. Mm -hmm. I did literally a review of um, what was happening in my life and with the kid's dad when I got pregnant with them and what our relationship was like. And uh, when you get broken open like that, yeah. it's like my choice was to, to just love things as, as they were. Uh -huh. Really, really just keep opening my heart and um, go through that process in, in that way. And, and that's, a, I mean, you, we could do a whole other program just on what you went through with your yeah. son his own life. I mean, that's a whole thing. But we're, we're coming to a close. And I think what I, I'd like to ask is, you know, I mean, you've been through so, so much. And this could have been the thing that broke the camel's back, but it didn't. It, it didn't. broke me open. It, it, yes, but it didn't break you down so that you stopped, right? It broke you open so that you could move through. So mm -hmm. um, what are some of your closing thoughts and words of wisdom to people listening to this saying, how did she get all through that? Or, gee, I've been through it with, with you know, family members taking their own life. I mean... What do you want to say to people when they are broken open in that way? Awareness is everything. You also said support. You also said yeah, how yeah. in you. Yeah, support too. Uh, I mean, people were just so there for me, but um, I really limited who I spoke to, who I, I was around because I was so fragile. Mm -hmm could feel the support of my community. And, um, you know, I mean, it was like being broken open like that. Um, I don't think I realized how walled off I had been and, and how walled off I was and, and how I lived my life. And where are you now, Susan, in your life and in your world? Yeah, a, a very sensitive person. <laughs> and where are you now in your life in terms of your joy factor, your happiness factor, your living, your vitality factor, where are you now? Well, I feel like I'm still kind of um, recovering from, from the boy's death. Um, and that's a big story in itself. Um, so I've done some cleansing, which helps. Um, uh, I've changed my nervous system from being a person who's hypervigilant, foot on the gas and foot on the brake, to um, I can do, do them as they need. And so I'm really learning a new way of living. Yeah. I don't have that hypervigilance, but I feel that I have a bigger relationship with the whole of life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm exploring the field phenomena. Um, Barry, where do you see all this? Because to me, it's just an amazing story. It is. Yeah. And strength and courage. Yeah, there are just so many pieces. As you said, Patricia, each one of those we could have devoted a whole, whole right. show on. But right. I, I mean, I think we have gotten to some of the very uh, 
uh, important and pivotal moments in your life and and see right now the way you are and the way you can speak about them. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, other people might not even want to talk about it. Exactly. And, and so the fact that you're able to speak about it so eloquently and, yeah. and so calmly uh, says, uh, you know, so much about who you are. Yeah. Yes. And we, and we thank you so much for sharing your story. Right. I mean, it was really, really special. Um, any closing thoughts, Barry, about this? Well, next time we'll be having another guest and we'll be going through the same process with a, a man who uh, I know who has a compelling story to tell about the suffering that he uh, had in early in his life and how he overcame that. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the reasons you, the main reason you put this together, Barry, was to give people the hope. So when they hear these stories, yeah. they say, it's possible, yeah. it's possible, and I can do it. And yeah. the thing that comes loud and clear for me, Susan, and I'm sure for Barry, is the work you're doing is so important, and you love it, and you're really helping people from all And, and you found hope. Right. <laughs> right. Very definitely. We want to have your, uh, can you tell us your website, Susan? I don't have one. <laughs> well, if people want to find you. They can just look you up, right, Susan Blue? Uh, let's see. Uh, probably the best thing is Susan Blue 1008 at gmail.com. Okay. I'm moving into retiring more and um, and doing more more education for people. Okay, and we just put your all of your information right okay. up on the board so we can no see caps. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Susan and Barry. It's a pleasure to work with you. Really, I'm yes, really Patricia. Same here. It's been a, a, a very fun experience and a very enriching experience to have a partner like you to bounce. <laughs> Great. All right, everyone. Well, this is going to close out this segment. When you come on with us again, we'll have another guest, and we're just going to keep finding hope and uh -huh. trying to end suffering. All right, everybody. I'm Patricia Raskin. I'm Barry Weinhold. See you next time. Bye. This episode was brought to you by the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership. Find out more about these resources at weinholds.org. Dr. Weinhold is the author or co-author of 75 books on psychology, including his latest book, Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and more. Patricia Raskin is the host of the nationally recognized program, The Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, and is currently heard on voiceamerica.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. New episodes of Finding Hope, The End to Suffering can be found every Wednesday. If you like the show, please leave a review and give us a rating. 